welcome to Talking Tropes. April Fools, you got pranked. <laughs> Assuming that you listened to the episode that we posted yesterday, and uh, this is not your first episode that you're ever listening to. <laughs> uh, if it is your first episode that you're ever listening to, you should definitely check out our really um, insightful well thought out episode that has pretty much the same title as this one came out the day before this one. You should definitely listen to it. It's oh, not a joke. <laughs> can, can you drag that out a little longer? Yeah. Um, guys, please, I beg of you, It's it only takes one listen to support um, two struggling podcasters. Um, all we need you to do is listen to yesterday's episode, uh, and then support us on Patreon, because we're not supported by ads at all, so. Anyway, welcome to Talking <laughs> Tropes. My name's David. I'm Hannah. We're talking about silent episodes today, which I'm, I'm excited to do, because I have a few thoughts. Um, we, we watched a bunch of episodes of standard TV shows that just happened to do a dialogue-less beat or scene or moment or a full episode. Yeah. Um, and, and we want to talk about the tropes that sort of play into that, the history of it, the future of it. Come along with us. Yeah. Um, so, David, what was, what was your favorite episode, either animated, live action, a, a full show where there's very little dialogue, a movie? Uh, well, I think... My favorite would have to be the SpongeBob episode, Reef Blower. This was season one episode. It really did an excellent job of establishing the SpongeBob Squidward dynamic. They're the only two characters in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just they just blow leaves everywhere, but because they're under the water, they blow reefs instead. <laughs> Classic comedy. Little shells. I, I really like that one, too. I, I think of all of the like animated ones, that one is probably up there. Just because, and, and I think this is something I noticed watching a lot of them, that the fewer characters you have, the more impactful I think your episode can get. I mean, not not necessarily, because I think there's definitely exceptions to that, but I think it's it's more fun watching just a couple of characters or one character sort of, like, bop around without dialogue. Well, I think it might be that, you know, silence is an intimate thing. Totally. S- silence just doesn't exist in large groups of people. People try and fill the silence, you know. But when you just have one or two people together, you can just kind of sit and just no one's talking. Uh-huh. Am I boring you? No, sorry. It's very early. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm trying to think about what my favorite one was. Was it General Electric Theater, The Incredible Jewel Robbery, 1958? It was, it was not that one at all. <laughs> Um, like that's, that's my other thing is like, all right. So confession time as a kid, I hated Fantasia. I was not a fan. Um, not because Uh, it's my favorite Disney movie of all time. It's the best one. Great. I mean, this is par for the course for us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I did not like Fantasia because I was a very verbal child and it had no words. And I was like, I get it. There's things happening. Do I care? No. Um, so I've had a very complicated history with silent things where a lot of it is left up to interpretation, which especially as a young child is not necessarily the easiest. As an adult, I think I like it a lot better. I still don't love it. (laughs) I really like dialogue because after watching a bunch of these all in a row, 
I was really ready to like listen to anything else, you know, to to actually hear people talking a little bit was felt like such a relief. Well, I think the interesting thing is just that our our watch list is just maybe a little bit too long um, because there are a few really solid episodes of television in here and then a lot of lazy, boring bullshit. <laughs> All right. What's the most boring bullshit? There's like, um, you know, I could count on like one hand the, the episodes that I actually found to be like funny or interesting. You know, it's like the BoJack Horseman one. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, the SpongeBob one. That's good. The Adventure Time and Avatar ones are good because it's Adventure Time and Avatar, not really mm-hmm. because it's a silent episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Twilight Zone is good because, you know, it's Twilight, it's Twilight Zone. Zone. And uh, Buffy was good. Buffy's, the Buffy episode, Hush. Okay, that's very interesting because I did not love that one. Oh, like, okay, I, well. I remember whatever. really liking it. I would actually say the 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 Frasier scene from Three Valentines was Well, that was very... just a scene, right? Like, yeah. I'm talking about, like, full episodes where they do no dialogue whatsoever. Um. Okay, well, then I would also say S- Switch to Birth Uprising. Maybe not, like, great plot, but... It was very cool to see an entire episode in ASL. Yeah, it's there's only two episodes on this list uh, that, you know, are actually ASL, you know, like there's a reason for it to be silenced because it's from a um, a deaf perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, the Switch to Birth episode and the short scene from Master of None. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else, it's usually like... A horrible magic curse. Yep. Or it's just, you know, non-diegetically silent where, you know, there is sound happening in the world of the thing that you're watching, but you just can't hear it. Yeah. So, like, Reef Blower would fall down in that one, right? Right. There's sound there. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because some of them it's like it's totally silent except for music. Like, you don't even hear sort of like... Right. Pots and pans clacking or people walking. And then other ones, you hear all of that stuff, but you don't hear, you just don't hear voices. Well, like, I think that's the point is that th- that's a split that is meaningful because the ones where you don't hear the pots and pans clanking, they're almost always like um, metatextual references to silent film era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think pretty much everybody knows that, like, we didn't always have noises in films. It was or in life. I mean, sound wasn't invented <laughs> until 1935. But so you know, it used to just be moving pictures, and then they would throw up some like text boxes on the screen, and the whole thing would usually be like orchestrated, either like with a live band or some sort of recorded uh, like player piano thing or like a gramophone, blah blah blah. Um. And then eventually they were like, what if we synced these things and made Ooh. them happen simultaneously with noises? And But even after that, for a while, you still couldn't really do like complicated things like, no. like voice acting or, or dubbing over Mm-mm. animated voices. Right. So there, there are a lot of, um, you know, like things that went along with this. Like, uh, or not things, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> there are a lot of tropes that went along with silent films. 
Uh, one of those is like the little text cards that pop up on the screen. Others is like very overblown and overacted, uh, like body language and facial expressions. A lot of gesticulating. Um, mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting because like a lot of the silent film era is also very stage playish. Yes. Um, just because you know you can't move the camera around very easily. Um, it was a big bulky thing. So you you kind of just have these people like wildly waving their arms and mugging the camera for an hour and a half. Yep. I'm not a huge fan of, of most of the silent film era. Um, there's obviously, you know, great examples of art that come out of there. But um, for the most part, I feel like they only would have been improved by sound. Like, right. Their artistry does not come from the limitation of lack of noise. (laughs) Right. But I think in the modern era, you know, sometimes it is just that. It's just paying homage to where their medium sort of got its start. Um, Especially in cartoons, there's like a ton of like references to like Steamboat Willie and like silent stuff even before that. I I feel like there is an element of this is now a deliberate choice, not a restriction of the medium. So you get a lot more creative. Right, but the the thing that I find interesting is a lot of times people will, like, deliberately restrict, you know, themselves. Um, and it often creates, like, a lot of really interesting artistic choices. We talked about this with um, mm-hmm. bottle episodes uh, way back when, um, where the limitation of being able to only shoot on one location creates, like... Character conflict. Fast-paced yeah. dialogue and whatever. But it seems like TV mm-hmm. writing, especially just is not incredibly suited to being a purely visual medium. Like, television has its roots in, like, radio plays, which were 100% dialogue, not in feature film. Um, So it's it's an interesting dynamic where the limitation is something that usually hurts it rather than... Yeah, but it's interesting that all these people keep trying... To do this gimmick. Um, what was the one? <laughs> the Rocco's Modern Life episode that does a silent episode. Um, Fatal Contraption. The one before it is the musical number mm. about recycling. <laughs> so it's like they had like two concept <laughs> episodes in one block. Where they both had a musical episode and a silent episode. Which I think... I mean, Rocco, Rocco basically was all <laughs> concept <know>. episodes. <laughs> It seemed like it was it was a lot yeah. of experimentation um, in that you know early nineties yeah cartoon well, sort of way. I mean that that's the other thing. Like I definitely got silent episode fatigue. I think about halfway through this, but sure. I I also think that it's very. I like it when it's in contrast with something else. You know, if I'm just sitting down and watching an episode or watching something and there's no dialogue, even, like, the good ones, I'm kind of like, okay, this is fine. But then I only like it because I know before it I watch something with dialogue and after it I'm going to watch something with dialogue. And this is, like, an interesting thing that happens in the middle. Does that make sense? Kind of. I think you're downplaying the fact that just, like, most of these are pretty lazy. Um like, when I look at, like, all three of the Powerpuff Girls episodes, there are three silent Powerpuff Girls episodes, and none of them are, like, fully silent. They all have, like, lots of dialogue, and then they just pick, like, one character to not talk, or they don't talk mm-hmm. for the first half of the episode <laughs> for no reason. 
Like, you can't stick to the premise. It really can't follow through. I was really sad about halfway through Power Prof when, like, they all of a sudden just started talking. And I was like, wait, what? You were doing fine. Well, because, like, I mean, here's the thing. Like, Powerpuff Girls is a a board-driven show, Uh not a script-driven show. So even when, you know, you're writing a scene with dialogue, the dialogue is mostly being written by people who are also drawing the individual scenes and they're mainly artists Before uh, you know i mean they're writers but they're, they're you know artists. they're 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 storyboard artists that's what they do and so if you just find yourself like writing a bunch of really visual story and you realize hey this story is not that complicated and can mostly be told just through visuals. Sometimes you'll just take out the dialogue. Is there a complicated story that you feel like was told in any of these episodes? Um, I feel like the most complicated was probably BoJack Horseman. That's uh, true. I think everything else is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, let's talk about BoJack Horseman, though, because that one is great. That one might be my favorite. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a, sort of a take on uh, Lost in Translation, the film with Bill Murray and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. Johansson. Bad movie. I, I don't know. I, I I think there's some value to it. Um, it's overrated. I'll say that. Okay, sure. Uh, and then you know, BoJack Horseman sort of takes that as well. Uh, like the he goes underwater and he's got a fish helmet fish helmet he's got a um, <laughs> an a scuba helmet. outfit on yeah. and cannot speak to other people because mm-hmm. uh there's water in the way yep and he doesn't speak their language question mark or is it just the water um well the the, the joke at the end is that he does speak their language uh it's just literally he didn't have his communication button turned on oh on his God. helmet that's right yeah. Um, um, so it's this touching story of where he accidentally finds this little seahorse baby and tries to return him to his father. Uh, right. And, and, and the episode bombs. is about miscommunication and lack of communication and, and trying to get forgiveness for something that you've done that you know is shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, because Bojack is trying to reconnect with this director who he wronged because he was selfish and so he learns to do he, he has to do something very unselfish by helping out this seahorse Child. baby but then yeah. you know in typical bojack fashion just because you do something nice for someone else doesn't mean that you're forgiven for all of your past sins against another person or that they're right. obligated and that's, to i think you. you know there's not a lot of thematic unity between um these different episodes because they're all using silence in very very different ways absolutely um but like i feel like there is something true about silence silence is intimate silence is um like like not not necessarily thoughtful but it is like um it makes everything seem more big and important and uh and significant and the silence in Bojack specifically is about miscommunication and lack of communication. Totally. I, I, I think I definitely tended to like the um, the episodes where they use the silence in that way. I think um, Buffy sort of uses it to, to uh, What do you mean sort of? I mean, it's 100% about that. I mean, Buffy... I mean, it's like 30% about magic demons who steal your voice to eat your heart. 
but like you know <laughs> the other 70 percent. but that's always that. a third of all buffy episodes one third of every buffy episode is like a big goofy fight scene with a i with mean a steak. sure but that doesn't mean it's not true <laughs> like, okay yeah uh, can we can we talk about the Buffy one? But I, I guess you, I feel like I have to judge Buffy in in relation to other Buffy, which I've never been a huge Buffy guy, Buffy fan. Hold on. So I feel like Hush does You're... something a little bit interesting with the sort of like I wish you'd all just shut up and then can't talk. <laughs> I guess that's true. They it just takes so long to set up. You know, like, I feel like they could have set it up a lot faster. And then also the minute, so, like, these demon things come to town, they, like, steal everyone's voices so they can't scream when they take their heart. And then they, they're trying to get seven hearts to rule the world or something. Is it ever really clear? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's an evil plan. They're evil. And so Buffy and the crew's gotta stop them. But meanwhile, her, like, boyfriend, who's got a secret of his own... (laughs) Is also got to stop him because he's a paramilitary unit that also fights demons. Yep. And then they find out and they've got to talk about it, but they can't. And then it ends. Yeah. It's the big secret reveal episode. Also, it's the fucking meet cute for Willow and Tara, which I did not realize. Like, what a bizarre oh, yeah. episode for that to happen in. But it's they can make a silent connection. They don't even need words. Yeah. And it's just interesting because... Uh... Good old Joss, um, <laughs> as we call him. He's known mainly for his dialogue, um, and this is him having to. Well, he got fed up. Eliminate of, that, right? Well, people like this was written specifically in response to people being like, he just wouldn't even be good if he didn't have all this snappy banter all the time. And so he's like, oh yeah. And the, and the answer an is, you know what? Probably you're right. <laughs> But this is fine. But it's fine for one episode. It's fine for one episode. I, I do have to say, though, so these things come to town and they steal everyone's voices. And, like, the whole town just gets depressed. Like, people just stand around doing nothing. And, like, a dude sits in the middle of the street with a briefcase, like, crying. And I'm just like, uh-huh. whoa. This is very intense. I'm not sure this yeah. is how I would react to not having a voice. How would you react? I don't know. I feel like I'd be, like, trying to do something about it or leave town or, like, so many questions, you know? Well, okay, You everyone assumes that they'd be the hero in, you know, a, a big disaster situation, but more likely no, you'd no, just no. be, I'm like, not trying really... to be a hero. Like, I'm not trying to fix everyone else. I'm just trying to fix... You'd leave town. Yeah. Maybe it's the town. Everyone in town, it happens. Why does that help? Because, I don't know, maybe these things are, like, location-based. I don't know anything. I don't know what took my voice, why it's gone. I think I'd probably just, uh, you know, stay put, you know? I'm safe in my home. Yeah, maybe I'd watch a bunch of TV. There are other noises that make Why did you watch TV if there's no sound? There is sound. People just can't talk. Oh, right, there's sound, there's just no voice. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably watch some TV. Yeah. Like, it'd be great. No one would bug me. I'd probably watch uh, a good old episode of Fairly Odd Parents um, or Dexter's Lab. What did you think about some of these other animated animated adventures? Um, other ones that I liked, uh, I kind of liked Fairly Odd Parents. I didn't love it. No. It's just, it's just like one gag. Like, Fairly Odd Parents can kind of get away with just doing, like, one gag per episode. And the gag in this yeah. one was Spit Takes... And, um, oh, there was one other one where everyone yells so loud that their pants explode. Don't get that one. Confusing. They get get wedgied so hard that they explode also. 
No, no, no. It was no. It was like sometimes people would just scream and then they'd be naked. It oh, was that's weird. True. It was a bizarre joke. It didn't really make any sense. But the wedgies also happened. Wedgies also happened. Also, it was just that everyone in Timmy's life is so loud, so he can't build the Eiffel Tower of toys. Which why Legos is he building the Eiffel Tower? Uh, who knows? He's not trying to like win a contest or anything. Like also, he's like bad at charades, and so has to learn to be good at charades. So that's why everything's silent. Yep, <laughs> that's it. Um, I I mean that joke kind of worked for me. Just I mean no, really it was bad at charades. It was good payoff, but it was like that was it. That was the only good payoff. Um, I kind of liked Fatal Contraption from Rocco's Modern Life. Loved Reef Blower. Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain. I always think of them as like they're script driven shows. Yeah. They're not board driven. Yeah. But I think they're like slightly above average animated slapstick yeah just just slightly above average Mm -hmm. um it's not a masterpiece but it's just like it's fine it's decently funny slapstick there are a couple moments calling back to the looney tunes era totally yeah i'm trying to think other like animated ones that i liked i didn't like kids next door the fly yeah i don't i that was season one. I, I feel like that episode didn't get a lot of air airplay. Um, Probably not. It was weird. It was basically just like the reason that it's silent is because you're a fly on the wall. It, the the episode is um, from the perspective yeah. of a fly. But I don't really think necessarily of flies as being not being able to hear things. Right. That's not the first thing I think of when I think of flies. Yeah. Do you think um, Breaking Bad stole the episode for uh, the fly from Kids Next Door? Yep, definitely. That's where Vince Gilligan got it. He uh, His kid was like watching Kids Next Door and he was like, oh, I could do that, but better. Exactly. And then wrote one of the better episodes of Breaking Bad. Dexter's Lab episode Dim is the most depressing episode of Dexter's Lab I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, that show's pretty fatalistic in general, but, like... It's about mortality. <laughs> okay, wow, you're really digging into this one. Do, do you remember how it ends? So yeah. the whole episode is, is like, one of Dexter's light bulbs goes out, so he asks his mom to drive him to the, the hardware store to get a new light bulb, and it's just this super dramatic, like, overly melodramatic thing where every sound effect is, like, magnified to a thousand because there's no dialogue. Um... And everything's in, like, slow motion and crazy. And then he gets home and he puts in the light bulb and Dee Dee comes up to him and, he, and she says, you know, they're all going to go out eventually, right? And Dexter says, I know. <laughs> uh, and it's about death, I guess. Mortality. Is that different than death? No, I wasn't correcting you. Oh, okay. Just <laughs> emphasizing. Great. Yeah. Um, yep. I I didn't love this one. Like, it was... No, it was really dumb. It was very dumb. It didn't feel like there... I don't know. The silence felt like very much like a gag and not like something that they were doing anything interesting with, personally. Well, it's definitely unique amongst a lot of these episodes. I think it's the only one that uses like the silence as just this like expressionistic every sound is a is a it's like a thunderclap sure. you know like yeah i think this one used sound effects really well i would i would agree with that but it just isn't funny like no. i mean that's just the the fatal flaw with like most of these is that they're not funny. they're just like not that funny i think the funniest ones are spongebob and i think the adventure time episodes that we watched thank you which is the one where the snowman i love makes friends one. with the firewolf and the episode shh, which is where Finn and Jake just just decide to not say anything for the whole episode and just hold up signs, and then Bimo thinks that they're Possessed. shapeshifters. Yeah, that's fun. 
That's fun. Because those shows are board-driven all the time, and their visual jokes are always really funny. Mm-hmm. Though the, the sh- episode ends with, like, the fucking random wolf head coming in, and I'm just like, oh, boy. This sh- Party God. This show sometimes. I know. I just... That show sometimes. Party God becomes a recurring character. I am aware. Um, doesn't mean I like it more. <laughs> um, live action wise, because I think that pretty much covers most of the animated ones. Yeah, because the two in Avatar, Appa's Lost Days, and The Tale of Momo, which are both just from animal perspectives. So. Well, I think to to sort of you know finish up the conversation on animation, sure. you know, the history of silent a- animation. Involves a lot of comedy, a lot of slapstick, Mm -hmm. but it also involves weird, somber student films that people made. (laughs) Um, So, like, you've got Tom and Jerry and Wile E. Coyote. They don't talk. Right. You got, um, you know, Samurai Jack, which is not explicitly a comedy. It's not silent. Well, it's also not. No, but there's a lot of silence in it. And you have definitely full episodes where there's very, very little dialogue. Less dialogue than in some of these episodes that we've counted as silent episodes. That's true. That's true. Because um, it's just a somber, quiet, desolate hellscape of a future. Mm-hmm. And he is a silent warrior. And that was like the pitch. Yeah. And it worked. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if you go on YouTube and you search like animated short film, 99% of them will have no dialogue. Mm-hmm. Because when you're a student making a film it's very costly to sync up voices and to hire voice actors or any of that stuff and time consuming so you're more likely to just do it silent and it's also just like a much more visual medium uh visually creative medium than live action tv yeah live action tv so let's jump into that so we kick it off with i believe this is maybe the first live action silent episode the incredible jewelry robbery from the general electric theater in 1958 um what were your thoughts david i didn't watch this one i didn't either fuck never mind then (laughs) (laughs) which one did you watch i watched the twilight zone one i watched the silent keeper okay but i skipped around in it because it was really boring okay so david what what are your general thoughts on live action episodes like like the early stuff (sighs) television is a visual medium yes but it's Very much an audio medium. It always has been. Television does not have a history of silence uh, built into it like like feature film does. Mm -hmm. And um, from my understanding, you know, most television, the the writers of television came from playwriting, not from screenwriting. Or they came from radio plays. So dialogue has always been an incredibly important part of television. And so when people try and, like, do an homage to silent era film, which almost all of these are, it's just garbage (laughs) trash. Um, And it's just unwatchable. Like, trying to do, like, a a noir mystery, like, 77 Sunset Strip in silence is just, like, a pointless challenge that doesn't add anything artistically. It just means you have less of an idea of what's going on than normal. (laughs) Uh, and, like, they just didn't do anything to sort of help visually clue people in on what what was going on. It's a lot of, oh, I wrote a note on this piece of uh-huh. paper and threw it out the window. Oh, oh I got to I gotta take the pencil and scrub it on the notepad to see what they wrote because they made an indent. Uh-huh. 
and you got to read that note now, and then you're just reading more notes. <laughs> so you're really just, it's like a Pajama Sam game where you're like following notes through a world. <laughs> it is a Pajama Sam game. Uh, also, maybe 77 Sunset Strip is not a great show. I haven't watched many episodes yeah. of, of that or any episodes of that outside of this one. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to the Twilight Zone because this one was great. This is a classic. It's The Invaders. Um Everybody knows this one. Tell us about it, David. The Invaders is the one where there's invaders and they're tiny. So you think that they're like little little aliens from space. But then in the end you find out they were from Earth all along. Dun, dun, dun. Classic Twilight Zone twist. And that has to be explained by Rod Serling. So it's no. not 100% the story is told via silence. But for the most part, the episode is just about these little horrifying little aliens that shoot like radiation lasers at uh, this poor, poor woman who just lives by herself in a farmhouse. Um, yeah, I could. <laughs> she just does a lot of like hanging out in her cabin, and these little assholes just will not let her be. Well, she's the does the first attack, if if I recall correctly. Yeah, she makes the first move. But I mean, the real thing is, you know, if you were that little alien guy and you came out of your ship to see a giant, humongous monster who then like throws a lamp at you or like kicks you <laughs> off a cliff uh-huh. and kicks your friend off a cliff, you're gonna start shooting the hell out yeah, of her. Yeah, that's fair. It's another miscommunication. Ha ha ha. It's true, and I think that is, you know, a big part of why this episode is told in silence, but also because of the solitude, the isolation of it. It's just. Literally one person fighting off tiny aliens, and they're destroyed in the end. Was there... Yeah, so so this one, as far as, like, dialogue, there's an opening narration and a closing narration, just to sort of, like, cap each side of it, which Rod always does. Good old Rod. Uh, but there's usually some other dialogue in the middle. <laughs> I, I do sort of, like, you know, thinking about Twilight Zone, um, again, brings me back to, like, bottle episodes, uh, just, like, as far as, like, limitations go. And and sure. silent episodes do almost feel like the antithesis to bottle episodes, which are pretty much just all dialogue. Right. You know? Yeah, this is the this is the opposite. It's zero dialogue, all visual. You usually have to have a lot more movement or set pieces. When you do when you're doing the slapstick comedy thing, it's a lot more like blocking and mm-hmm. you know having things flip over and catch on fire. People fall down, smack into down. stuff, yep. et cetera. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot harder to do, like, a quiet, like, low energy, I guess, silent episode than it is to do the slapstick stuff. Because, like, even if it's not the best, it's like, all right, something's happening to keep my attention. Um I don't know. At the same time, I think silence and tension sort of go hand in hand. Um, that's true. Like, that's why, you know, they're like horror movies, like Don't Breathe or A Quiet Place, where like the whole thing is if you make a sound, you're dead. Yeah. You're dead. You're dead. Or like, you know, you don't want to be in a tense conversation. Like, who's the one to break the silence? Um, who's the one to to interrupt the the tension and that that's its own tension true feel like hannah gadsby (laughs) (laughs) tension um all right so i didn't watch the prisoner which nope me neither uh had an episode called many happy returns that aired in 1967 
But then basically, uh, I'm sure there might be one or two that we've missed as far as live action episodes go that happened between 1967 and Buffy. But there really weren't a lot. Like, it seems like this was a very early TV gag that people tried to do. Or, I mean, not gag, but homage homage or gimmick gimmick. I mean, yeah, it's like... uh... It was like in the early days, there was like a lot of nostalgia for the silent film era because that was what people grew up right. with. And then, you know, you take a long break from that and then you start to have all these film students coming up who, you know, they didn't grow up with silent film, but they studied silent film and then had a big think about mm-hmm. it and then, you know, put that in their stuff. Yeah. Well, so then, you know, we get we get some interesting episodes. We get... Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Hush. Um, I that was a later season, but I think it was still in the nineties. I don't know when that aired. Yeah, sounds right. Nineties, early two thousands. Um, and then we had Frasier with uh the first, <laughs> the first scene in uh the Three Valentines episode, and I believe it was season six or something like that, where he's waiting for a date. And it's just slapstick. Niles is. Niles is. Niles. Uh, he, or no, is it? Is it Niles? It's Niles. Okay, Niles is waiting for a date. Uh, he's in Fraser's apartment, though, and <laughs> just slapstick happens. Hilarity ensues. Hilarity. Because he's a neat freak, and he's, uh, he's squeamish. But then he breaks everything and fucks it all up and yeah it's pretty it's funny it's really I don't know. funny it, it's they don't have to drag it on too long um but like i mean that was always the thing about the fraser writers is like they really love dialogue and overly wordy dialogue mm-hmm. at that um and so it is like a nice change of pace for them to do like this one scene that's just completely silent there's a dog barking there's fire <laughs> and madness but there's no dialogue yeah um, and then there's the Master of None scene that we talked about in the New York I Love You episode where, again, this is um, through the perspective of a deaf person who uses ASL. Um, right. So this is not a no dialogue, but it is a no sound. Yes. So there's almost nothing but dialogue in these scenes. There's nothing visually interesting happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just no sound to go along with the dialogue. And there's no music. There's no nothing. Almost all the other episodes that we have, they have music, music to supplement the lack of sound. Because people don't like listening to silence. If yeah. Oh, that's one thing I do want to bring up. So Buffy doesn't technically have another silent episode, but it does have an episode where it has absolutely no score. Um, and it's... A, a major character death is what happens in that episode. Um, mm, and it's right. really, really affecting. Um, like I, I encourage you if you're, especially if you're not going to watch the rest of Buffy, um, just go in and watch that episode. Um, it's season five, episode 16 called the body. Uh, and it's, it's haunting not having any dialogue. Um, especially cause the death is pretty sort of sudden, um, so again, it's not a lack of dialogue, so it doesn't totally fit within the confines of this episode, but I, I think it's something... It's just a much more quiet episode yeah. than normal because of the lack of score. Yeah, but it's very interesting. There's no reason for me to bring this up, but I do it anyway because I hate Master of None. I don't think it's a good show. <laughs> um, I don't find it funny or dramatic ever. I think Aziz's, uh... 
commentary on like the relation dating and relationships is like incredibly shallow and like the whole scene this whole silent scene is just like the the girlfriend complaining that she doesn't get enough oral sex from the guy and that's the whole scene and it just goes on <laughs> for a time and i guess it's great representation if you're okay with representation with no substance yeah yeah I think that's a fair critique of the episode and or the show. I think it's a fair critique of the show, yeah. which is great representation, awful show, not funny. Yeah, it's yeah, it tries too hard a lot of the time to little effect. I think it's great that it, that it tries really hard with representation. I think that's sure. a fantastic thing. I just wish that there was that it was good jokes that aren't like just people text and then they don't text back. I know, like it feels. It either feels like that, like jokes with very little payoff, or it feels like bizarrely preachy. And it's like, I agree with everything you're saying. Why do I feel like this is preachy? Right. Which is not a good sign for your show. Um, but anyway, the next one that I watched is the Switched at Birth episode, um, which is an ABC Family, now freeform uh, TV show about two girls who were switched at birth and one of them's deaf go figure and the other one's not but now they go to the same school and there's stuff with their parents i guess i've never watched an episode of this show in my life uh until this one and like you know it definitely feels like a freeform show like if it, it's it's that teen after school Lots of drama, people kissing other people who are not dating nonsense, and family interpersonal quarrels. Uh, but it was all in sign language, which was pretty neat. It was really cool watching, like, an entire cast. And I'm sure that there's a lot of, you know, ASL built into a lot of the other episodes, but this one in particular is all sign language, correct? Right, uh, yes. And it's, um like, there's... Some dialogue that happens in the beginning of the in the in the very first scene, um, but even while people are speaking, um, like just like aloud, they're also speaking in ASL simultaneously. So you, you like you could have the entire thing on mute and it would read basically the same. Gotcha. And then at the very end, there's also um, so so basically what happens in this episode is. They're shutting down the deaf-only school that they all attend for lack of funding or some reason, supposedly. I haven't watched the other episodes, so I don't know. <laughs> and so the kids get the idea that, hey, we should form a protest like they did at Gallaudet um, University. Uh, shout out to our cousin, Becca, who works there. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, they're they're like, let's form a protest. Let's take over the school building. They do that during slash right after the school play that is Romeo and Juliet, because of course it is. Um, and then they're trying to demand that one, the school stays open two their sports and um, arts funding is restored and that anyone involved in the protest doesn't get in trouble. Um, yeah. Those are their three demands. And then basically and they get it. And then there's some other stuff that's, going on an interpersonal drama between the two sisters or not i i guess they're not sisters <laughs> the switched at birthers the switchsters the switchsters there we go um that sounds like something the show would stupidly call it <laughs> so there's tension between them and it ends with the two of them 
going and uh, there's all of a sudden we hear sirens and the, the sound is back on basically. And the one sister is like, the police are here. And then she looks outside and the police have come and they're going to stop them from getting what they want by taking over the school. And then I don't know what happens next because the episode ends and I'm not going to watch more. Not interested. Not interested. Like, I'm vaguely interested to see how it turns out, but I have a feeling it turns out fine. This one was cool because, um, like, hell yeah, student protests. I'm down for that. Like, hell yeah. Yeah. Like, deaf rights. Representation. Good shit. Yeah. Good shit. Um, the rest of it was pretty stupid. There's a bunch of really stupid teen bullshit and, like, stupid, like, Riverdale-esque drama drama for the sake of drama, which is what that show is there to do. Yeah. Speaking of, like, episodes that we watched where we're never going to ever watch another episode of this fucking show, I watched the episode of Two Guys and a Girl called The One Without Dialogue. What is this show about? <laughs> Boy, is this show not funny. It's, um... It's two guys and a girl. <laughs> okay. That's it. It's, um, uh, what's his name? Fuck. It's like the opposite three's company or like. Kind of, yeah, basically. From what I can tell, I have never watched another episode of this show. It's Ryan Reynolds. Oh my God. And, um, uh, what is his I name? Four from, uh, from Firefly. Uh, I don't know which one. The main one. Oh, Nathan Fillion. And Nathan Fillion. And some girl <laughs> who I don't recognize. Um, and they're just, they're in this episode, they're just doing bad slapstick for a half hour. Oof. Woefully unfunny. There are title cards, just like in silent film era. There's bad plinky plonk piano soundtrack. And like the funniest joke that I saw was also the worst joke, <laughs> which is just like, the girl is sitting on a train and there's like a pregnant woman who wants to sit down and you know everyone else that's around her is like you know on crutches or you know is old and so she still refuses to stand up and just points to a sign that says abstinence is the only uh is the best contraceptive just like shaming this pregnant woman what and that the was the fuck? funniest thing in the whole episode just because it's awful like what a monster um not a good show not gonna watch any more of that Great. uh unlikable characters yeah I, I don't know why you would want that. um there's a couple of other silent episodes that i didn't watch that you know maybe i'll get around to them eventually um, one is a CSI New York episode called unspoken yeah this like episode opens with like a kid getting shot so it's one of those <laughs> so every episode of csi like i mean well no it, oh sorry i should clarify it opens up with a kid shooting another kid with a gun they found in an alley oh like on accident yeah okay so then is the so kid just like traumatized is that what the unspoken no the kid is shot through the gut well the other kid who shot oh him. yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's CSI New York. It's a procedural. It's overly dramatic. This is what it's for. Oh my um, god, David. Yeah, didn't 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 quite uh, <laughs> didn't quite get sucked in by that one either. Fair enough. So I mean, we've talked about a lot of like bullshit. Like there's just a lot of bullshit episodes, and a lot of these are critically panned as mm -hmm. well because people like dialogue. I I feel like people do like dialogue. They're very there are very few works of media that are not improved by 
having more dialogue in them. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it it really helps understanding a lot of the time. But you love Fantasia. Would that be better with dialogue? No, but it also requires sound. I mean, sure. that is in that genre the music is the dialogue the music is the story and the the visuals are just go, playing off of the the music for most of these there's almost no thought put into the music it's literally just like either if it's an homage to like silent film it's like plinky plunky plinky plunky plinky plunky <laughs> and then if it's you know original music it's usually just the normal music of the show right. um but you know fantasia it's it's classical you know classical music that's literally the the only guide that the animators were given uh, to to create their stories was make it make it look like this sounds and I love that I think that's great yeah Fantasia two thousand less so they were a lot more narrative about it it feels more like they animated some segments and then picked music to go with it but hey you know that's what it is they can't all be winners um we all love the first half of Wally though. And that doesn't have any dialogue. It's just beep boops. Yeah, and that one it really reminds me of every student animated film that I've ever seen that's silent, where it's like totally, or honestly, a lot of Pixar shorts that like they make. You know, a lot of those are silent. yeah. No, I don't think there's any dialogue in any Pixar short. Yeah, as far as I know, um, except for the ones where it's like it's Toy Story but short. <laughs> yep. Or like it's Cars but shorter. Like, excluding the ones with their characters in them, they're all mostly silent. Yeah. Um, or at least most of the story is told in, in silence. Because animation is so visual. It's so visually entertaining that you don't really need dialogue all the time. Right. And the thing about Wally that's interesting is also the character designs are very, very simplistic. Totally. So it's almost all shown just through, like, blocking and lighting and, you know, very, very subtle things. Yep. Um, and it's a romance of robots. Wally's great. Um, I don't know if people remember the black and white silent film, The Artist, that came out back in like 2011. Right. Or the parody that came out after The Fartist. The what? The Fartist. <laughs> okay, great. Glad we're on this level. Uh, the, the Artist is interesting because it's just very explicitly about the silent film era and how it ended and how it changed. Right. Similar to Singing in the Rain was also about that. But that was really fun. Right, but like but that one was specifically a, a musical. Um so kind of the right. uh, the artist is like the opposite sort of looking at the end of the silent film era from the perspective of a silent film era. It was a lot sadder and more nostalgic about it and yeah. sort of like I'll, it leaned into the tragedy of the end of silent movies instead of the like um, singing in the rain where it was like the delight of being able to talk. Well, it was interesting because it was also sort of symbolically about the idea of preservation and uh, and what we do with films that are no longer, you know, deemed to have like artistic merit or something. Um, because this guy, like he, he burns his film and I, I don't know if you know this, but actually when the silent film era ended, lots of studios just burned like 90% of their films cause they, or they like dumped them into the ocean because they just thought, well, no one wants to see these anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's 90% of, uh, silent film era, uh, like actual, um, film reels, film film yeah film grain film strips are just Lost. gone they just don't exist anymore 
And the artist is all about that kind of preservation. For sure. Didn't it have, like, an explicitly preservationist message, like, at the end of it or something, too? Like, wasn't it, like, partially sponsored by, like, the silent film, like, museum yeah. or something? No, that's right. Um, but also, it, it is kind of, like, critical of, of sort of the patronizing nature of, like, uh, of preservation. Because there's, like, a scene where the this, you know, silent film star who can't transition into real film, mm-hmm. he sells off all of his stuff in an auction... And then it turns out it was all bought up by just this woman who wants to, you know, make him successful because uh, she's in love with him. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, horrified by this when he finds out that, like, all of his stuff, his prized possessions, are just gathering dust in, like, a museum of him. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of horrifying to think, like, your film, no one watches it to watch it, but it's just being preserved like a zombie mm-hmm. after it's death served its purpose yeah yeah the artist is an interesting one um did it win the oscar that year who cares <laughs> who cares the oscars are fraud forget listen, oscars we're listen done to with our them. oscar They're episode dead. there's also apparently this movie called attainment that i just couldn't find anywhere that apparently is silent me neither all right so let's skip it who, who cares skip it i uh, mean when, when it gets down to it i mean silent film era has a lot of interesting things going on that would later inspire, uh, you know, sound films. But, like, Hollywood didn't have faith in silent films, and I feel like it it, it shows in all of these, like, half-hearted attempts to to mimic them. People like dialogue. People are, you know, they talk. We're, We're talkers. And so, you know, even when you do homage to classic silent film, you know, silent film comedians or whatever, you still find yourself sort of being like, well, you just can't do that kind of stuff anymore because now there's dialogue. I just think, you know, I I personally, my favorite silent comedian was Buster Keaton. I think he did amazing work, visually interesting work. It was extremely expensive. He, you know, had these really complicated gags that required a lot of timing and stunt work. And now you can just accomplish the same thing with just, like, improvised dialogue in a Will Ferrell movie, (laughs) you know, and it's... Right. I mean, it's ten times funnier. Um, You know, say what you will about talkies being lazy, (laughs) but pre-talkies films were just too complicated. Very complicated. Um, Buster Keaton's the one who stood in the middle of the house while it fell over, right? Yeah, that was him. Like the wall? Yeah. Yep. All right. Just just checking. You guys should go check out some of his films or just like clips uh, on YouTube because they're yeah. great. I, I and everyone loves Charlie it. Chiplo, the, the top-hatted, mustachioed man. <laughs> mustachioed man. Tr- Charlie Chiplo, he got a cane. He's a, he's a trampy. He's he's tramp. He's a Donald <laughs> J. Tramp. Um, um, and he made the silent movies that were the funny ones, but not that funny. Like, just a little funny. But he made the other ones, too. Um, so, to sort of bring us home, um, there, <laughs> there are two videos, YouTube videos, that we watched. Um, I guess one of these is a YouTube video, and the other one's a YouTube clip of a TV show. <laughs> um, David, you literally texted me this morning asking me to watch the the Seth Meyers clip of A Minute of Silence. Um, and I loved it, 
but I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. Yeah, Seth, Seth Meyers, to me, is the only one making art for late night anymore. You can, you know, fight me if you think Stephen Colbert is doing anything art artly. Um, but uh, Seth Meyers, he does the art, and he does a, a bit where he just sits with one of his writers in silence for a full minute, just just to get just to take a break from the jokes and it's beautiful and it, it, it makes me feel things um so we also have from youtube specifically um the good mythical morning from Rhett and link uh who i used to watch <laughs> briefly for a time but haven't really checked in on them and their whole thing in a long while um and it seems like they've really evolved into something very youtube and very bizarre <laughs> um but they did, this was also apparently as an April Fool's joke, so who knew? They beat us to it, David. <laughs> um, <laughs> they did a, a video, which is their morning show, where they, it's a, like an 11 minute long morning show, where they just hang out and chat, and then they do like a funny challenge thing at the end. Uh, but this one was just called 11 Minutes of Silence, and it starts with, one of them saying, let's talk about that. They play the intro and then they sit there for 11 minutes in silence, kind of just staring at the camera. It's very awkward. Um, but it also really encourages you to feel like they're reacting to you and the stuff you're doing. So if you're just sitting there like eating a sandwich, you know, like one of them's got kind of a judgy look on his face and the other one just looks kind of interested um, you know, like you could tell them a story. Like, I feel like you could play around with this video a lot rather than it being anything particularly interesting in and of itself. Um, it, it's that intimate silence that turns that intimacy back on the viewer kind of immediately because again, it's 11 minutes of silence, but they're not even doing anything for those 11 minutes. They're just staring at you. Um, so it's very strange. It feels like you're being observed almost, and we're just sort of observing them. Um, and then they have a viewer clip that comes in very jarringly at like 10 minutes. Uh, and they're like, let's spin the wheel of mythicality. And they do that, but it lands on a nothing. So yeah, so that's that's it. That's the only example I can find of like, someone with like a YouTube talk show doing something like this. Um, maybe there are other YouTube only shows or like streaming only shows that have done silent episodes or episodes of this nature. Um, if you know of them, please let us know. Yeah, definitely let us know. Um, and, and we will uh, catch up with you next time. We're going to try something new. It's going to be a brand new segment on our show. Uh, check us out. We're available wherever podcasts are sold for free. Um, you can find us at Talking Tropes on Twitter and on Patreon. And we're we're just your friendly neighborhood trope watchers. We're gonna watch some more tropes. Yeah. Um. Starting next week, we have yep. a new series that we're gonna be diving into. Uh. So get excited. Get ready. Tell your friends. Do we want to tell them what it is? Nope. Great. Surprise. Surprise. It'll be a surprise. Um, I think it'll be a fun surprise. 
I'm excited to dive into this project. Um, if you have any trope suggestions, we're always willing to take those from you. We'll see you next week with a fun new surprise. Bye, guys. Bye.